Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. You're listening to BGN Radio with Brandon Lee Gowton and Jimmy Kemsky. Jimmy Kemsky from phillyvoice.com. With me as always is Brandon Gowton, Brandon Lee Gowton that is, of Bleeding Green Nation. This is BGN Radio, episode number... 92. How you doing, Brandon? Jimmy, it's funny. I feel like you're one of the few people who calls me by only my first name and my last name, which is quite okay because that's really how I was only addressed for years and years of my life right? until... Until I started my writing career, and I didn't want to quite write under my full name because I, I wasn't sure if I wanted to do it as a full time thing or just a hobby. I, I was just writing under Brandon Lee, first and middle name, and then at that point I couldn't drop the Lee, so I had to add the Gowton in there. And then all of a sudden, you know, people have been calling me BLG for years now, but that was like never a thing growing up. So it's kind of like a weird delineation between like pre writing career and post writing career. So I get a little bit, bit of that too. There are certain people that don't feel comfortable calling me Jimmy because mm. I guess they feel like really? it's maybe childish. <laughs> <laughs> My girlfriend's mother oh. calls me Jim sometimes. <laughs> and sometimes she'll call me Jimmy, but I feel, I feel like she feels uncomfortable calling me Jimmy. Mr. Jim Kemsky. So she'll change it to Jim. Do you get any James? Nah, I don't really get that so much. I call you that sometimes. You're... Probably the only one. There we go. So there we go. I'm the only one who calls you Brandon Gowton. You're the only one who calls you James. <laughs> We're off to a, uh, a hot start here uh, <laughs> as, the, as the Eagles are back. Well, this is, a, I mean, yeah, I mean, we're kind of on our bye week too. You had a good vacation. I from did. what I gather. It was fun. We went to Belize, which is in Central America, for those of you who don't know, just below Mexico uh, on the Caribbean. And it was fun. Lots of drinking. Nice. It's good times. And you didn't get arrested. And no, you didn't I get did in not. trouble. No, presumably, no, no, no. neither no, neither no. did anyone on the Eagles. So that's a win, I would say. Well, probably. And we'll uh, probably <laughs> that we know about. I will say that we know about. Yes. And really, I guess it was a good bye week for the Eagles. All things considered, they got to see the Cowboys lose on Sunday Night Football to the Vikings. They got to see the Rams and the Panthers lose, and the NFC kind of open up some space and potentially. The and the Saints, of course, uh, losing to the Falcons. And no Cabana Boys got punched. No Cabana Boys. Well, again, as far again, as we know we, about. As far as we know. As far as we know. Um, we, could, we could stay tuned for an update. So I guess the question is, Jimmy, are you feeling better or worse about the Eagles after this bye week? Or I guess you could say no different, but better or worse? Well, I mean, based on what you just said from the outcomes of the other games around the league, better, of course. But mm. in terms of the actual Eagles themselves and how they're <laughs> going to go forward from here, I, I will say a little bit better, but mm-hmm. certainly not much better. I mean, you made this point already, and I, I'll let you make it. Yeah. But, but the first point that I'll make is they're, pro- they're going to be getting healthier. After, I mean, the bye week does come at a good time of the year where they're starting to get some guys back. 
And then other players who, you know, were kind of nicked up will have a chance to get healthier. Like Fletcher Cox, for example, is, you know, has been dealing with, you know, his injury all season long. And he's only really started to begun to look like the Fletcher Cox that we've come to know. And then Derek Barnett, in case you hadn't known, has been dealing with his shoulder all season long. You know, Doug Peterson has mentioned a few different times that, you know, he's battled through that injury all season long, even if he hasn't appeared on the injury uh, report. So that week off for those two guys in particular, we're going to be really important down the stretch. I think it's going to be helpful for them. But in terms of just how they were playing leading up to the bye, even though they had that that two-game winning streak, hmm. eh, I'm not totally sold on those two wins. Yeah, I think it's the, the key thing here is that the further removed you get, from the bad moments, I feel yeah. like everything starts to feel better. Even yeah. if, like, again, like you said, the, the 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 point where they left off wasn't like this super optimistic point. I think it was just the opposite. I was not really feeling all that great about the Eagles coming out of that Bears game, and I'm still not feeling amazing about them. And people have been getting on me for that. I feel like on Bleeding Green Nation, I got a little bit of that too. Yeah. Yeah, and look, I I don't want to say there aren't reasons for optimism because I think there are. I think you can point to things. I think you can build the case. I think you. It's not like I'm not trying to say all is lost, abandon ship, the season's over. My argument would be more so that they're kind of just they they are what they are at this point. I don't think there's much left to like surprise us. And now as I say that, of course, that's when they would surprise me because I wouldn't be expecting it. So keep that in mind. Uh, the point being, like I did a record. Uh, prediction jimmy for what they are going to be after the buy and i'll have you know that i did the same activity i usually do this every year i saw you bragging about this on twitter i I was right (laughs) i I was right i had them 13 and 3 which they finished and i had them winning the super bowl and i was right about that did you have it going the way it went i don't i don't know if i specifically (laughs) predicted the playoff i I think i did have them beating the patriots in the super bowl no what i mean is like the way that it all went down with the rest getting hurt and then (laughs) well actually i did no but i did have the uh not that this means anything, but the well, I feel like it means a little bit. I mean, I, I think I have some kind of pulse on the team. I would hope so. Yeah, you know, of course. Doing, covering this, and I had them uh, losing to the Saints like they did. I, I think I had them like ten and six instead of nine and seven last year. So I was off by a game, but I did have them losing to the Saints in the divisional round, like they did. Yeah, it's pretty and a good. A lot of people, a lot of people were on me at the time, like, "Oh, they're not going to lose to the Saints twice." So little <laughs> you know, I was right all along. So. So this year, everyone got mad because I used my powers not for the good of the team, and I have them finishing like 9-7 and seven and mm-hmm. I guess missing the playoffs. But that doesn't mean I think they're a terrible team. I just think it means they're going to beat the bad teams they have in their schedule, and they're probably going to lose to the good ones. I think they're that's what they kind of are. They're just kind of an average team. That's what they've really been since the start of 2018, I think, for the most part. I think they've been... Uh, average-ish, if not, you know, maybe slightly above average, but they've been in the average tier as opposed to the very good slash elite tier, I would argue. So I still think that's kind of where they are. Again, I get the reasons for optimism. I guess I feel slightly better <laughs> about them. But again, I think part of that is just being further removed for it from it. Yeah, that's where I'm at. So you have them winning Giants twice, Washington Dolphins, and you have them losing all three the the teams with the winning records with uh, the Patriots, the Seahawks, and the Cowboys. You have lose, them losing all three of those. It's a pretty cold take in that it's like, well, they're going to beat all the bad teams and they're going <laughs> to lose to all the good teams. Like someone pointed that out. Like that great analysis. But like, I right. just think that's what they are. Right. I think that's the kind of team they are. They can they can beat the bad teams. I think we've seen that. And but I just have my doubts still about the good teams. I mean, we aren't that like 
crazily far removed from them just getting dominated, you know, by the Vikings and the Cowboys. Like that's that's not like so so far in the rearview mirror that like those concerns shouldn't be there. I don't think the Cowboys are that good, by the way. Although clearly they have the Eagles number. But yeah. that's that's a whole that's a that's probably a thirty minute. They've never beaten them when Zeke has been in the lineup. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. I mean they almost beat them with their J V team. <laughs> week 17 of uh, the Super Bowl year. Yes, right. What was that game? Six nothing? Yes. Anyway, uh, moving on. The, are, I want to ask you, Jimmy, are the Eagles playoff hopes revived? Because I, I want to read you something that you wrote. <laughs> I'm going to read you something that you wrote as if you don't know this. Oh, I can't wait. You included this in your NFC uh, obituary, which I always like and always enjoyed as a, a BGN staple before it moved on to then blogging the oh, beast. Did I do and that then... there? I didn't know that. I'm going to take credit for it, even if you didn't. I think it, you know, I think you're right. That's I think it did. I've had that. That's been a little staple for a long time then, huh? So you wrote that, quote, it's all right in front of the Eagles to steal this division after the disappointing first half of the season. The birds should be getting some players back from injury and some others already playing through pain should be healing up. And this is the line to me here, and I'm not quoting you anymore. This is the line to me here that really is interesting. There's no excuse not to get it done. So you're right. basically saying, like, if they don't make the playoffs, like, this is a failure. Oh, for sure it's a failure if they don't make the playoffs. <laughs> Are you okay. serious? Yeah, of course it is. No, I'm not disagreeing. I'm oh, just saying yeah. that you're setting, you're setting it out there. Like, Oh, yeah, they have to make the playoffs. No, okay. Oh, th- yeah, if th- anything short of that. I mean, I would even consider if they make the playoffs and they're one and done, I would consider that a failure. Based on the expectations heading into the season, mm-hmm. for sure. I mean, it's a, absolutely a failure if, if they don't make any kind of noise in the playoffs, and if they don't make the playoffs at all, hell yes, it's a. I think it's a big failure if they don't make the playoffs. I mean, they're five. So what, and, they're five and four. While they've had some plays that weren't made that maybe might have won other games, i.e., uh, Nelson Aguilar dropping the pass on the sideline, or JJ dropping the pass in the Lions game. Uh, you know, with those even with those plays not having been made that should have been made, I think there's I think their record is pretty indicative of the way they've played so far this year. I think the five and four is a fair record for them. Would you agree with that? I would agree with that. I think that kind of lines up with like point differential and DVOA and all those other kind of metrics too. And then for them to be where they are. I mean, they are lucky as hell to be in this garbage division. <laughs> like, I mean, look at the look at the Giants and and Washington. I mean, it's crazy how bad they are and how badly run they are. Washington might be the worst run sports team in America. <laughs> like professionals, is there is there one worse? Like maybe the Knicks, maybe. I mean, at least they're not racist. <laughs> <laughs> But I mean, is there is there really one worse than them? I Guess don't know not. the NHL that well. Oh, yeah. Major League yeah. Baseball. Uh, uh, I don't let's know. Let's just say they are. Just, yeah, and then you have the Giants with uh, you know Gettleman just oh, tearing that. What a team. godsend! They hired Pat Shermer. I mean, it's just a gift that these two teams are in their division, and then the Cowboys who have been who have been smarter over the last I'd say half decade than they've mm-hmm. been in a long time. They're still not that good of a franchise either. I mean, they are extremely lucky to be in this division. And for them to come out of this, I mean, they, they did win a Super Bowl. So, I mean, obviously there's, you can't overstate 
how big them winning the Super Bowl was, but for them not to have like a sustained run of success would be really, really disappointing if they can't pull that off. Yeah, and especially going to the Cowboys, just like how they, they're letting the Eagles hang around, basically, is what I'm trying to say. Like, yeah. They could have beaten the Vikings and been like, nope, we're the team in the NFC East. We're not going to let the Eagles catch up. They didn't. They, <laughs> they lost. That Jets loss was like incredibly devastating for them. Not devastating, but I mean, they, that, that, that Jets loss... What 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 week was that? When did the uh, was that the was that the week the Eagles lost the, to the Vikings? Yeah, week six, I believe. I mean, they had a chance to really pull away there, and then, and then they lose that game, and it's like they're just keeping the Eagles in it. I mean, their yeah. sch- their schedule has been horrible so far. So for them to be five and four, and the Eagles still with, I mean, would you consider the Eagles? I guess not. If you have them, you know, if you have them not making the playoffs. You wouldn't have them as the favorite the rest of the way. No, especially just because of the matchup. Like we talked about, like again, they're they're five or zero oh and five, I think, in the games that Zeke has played, something like that. They they've never beaten Zeke when he's played, and I'm not saying like he's the only thing in there, but that's that is a significant factor. And I think the way that the Eagles have matched up against the Cowboys in general, I don't think it's as bad as that. I don't think it's quite as one-sided as that, as we've talked about with the whole situation, the non-fumble in uh, the, the game in Dallas last year. And then the, the other game, uh, the first Cowboys-Eagles game of Doug Peterson's career, uh, you know, was in Dallas and it was overtime. Like some of these are, are close. They're coin flips. They're really close games. But overall, like just it, it, the Eagles have not... I don't I, like if you're doing a power rankings, and I guess you did have the Eagles above the Cowboys in your in your. I couldn't do that myself just because like that matchup has just been not good for them. Like I, I will believe they can beat the Cowboys when I see it, and I do think it's going to come down to that game. By the way, I, I think like that is the key point. I think both teams are going to be around like eight and six or so. The way you look at their schedules play out by that game, and the big thing to note, I think, it, and you kind of brought it up with the Jets game, not only that game but the Packers game. So, like, the key thing the Eagles have going for them, whereas the Cowboys right now have the head-to-head tiebreaker, well, the Eagles can negate that, obviously, by winning themselves against Dallas in Week 16. And then, at that point, the third tiebreaker after uh, in the rankings would be the common opponents. opponents. And because the Eagles have wins over the Packers and the Jets, uh, the Eagles are currently up, you know, two games in that tiebreaker. So that could be really big. Are they the only two games, the common opponents? I guess divisional aside you know count the vikings game uh washington right well they, yeah they and, both beat washington and they both lost to the vikings but in terms of a difference a yeah, different so outcome those are the yeah. only two games yes yeah, all right yeah it's, that's a pretty good advantage yep so yeah i have them ahead of the i had them ahead of the cowboys in my thing I, and it was like so do you do, do you do a power ranking roundup yeah Easiest post of the week for me, by the way. That, that thing is. <laughs> I, I kind of like to see. I like to gauge. <laughs> I just like to gauge where people have the Eagles. I do, I do too. Uh, but for, uh, for those, I, I kind of saw that it was mixed. I think there was probably more Cowboys ahead of somebody had them. Somebody had the Cowboys eighth. Like, cause I always, I always peek at like where the other uh, NFC was it East teams the are. Voice? I think it was NFL.com. Oh, okay. And I was like, what? Eight? They had them ahead of the Chiefs. I was like, what? Really? Okay. I guess the Chiefs lost this week, but come on. So along the injury note, uh, you kind of brought up injuries in that point you had about the Eagles going down. The, and you already mentioned Derek Barnett yeah. and Fletcher Cox. But um, more recent injury news, some players who aren't back for the Eagles. Alshon Jeffrey missing practice on Wednesday as we're recording this. Doug Peterson said he's kind of day-to-day right now was the quote. Uh, also said he's still sore 
from having that ankle injury in the Bears game. He suffered late in the game. And then Nigel Bradham is still out, although I guess Doug said he kind of has some level of optimism he could play this week. He said he was going to practice today, and then he didn't. No, I think he said he wasn't going to practice. Going to practice? I think he said he was going to be out there. Yeah, he's like running on the side or whatever. Oh, okay. Getting some extra, you know, like doing more than just nothing. Basically. I didn't see him at all. So we'll see on Bradham. Um, Jeffrey, I mean, the Jeffrey one's kind of, that's not great. That's <laughs> like, not good. Like, even if you don't think he's played well, and he hasn't, in my view, and he's just, you know, he really hasn't looked anything like what he should look like, they need him because they need someone yeah. to, to take, I mean, you hope anyway that the Patriots just put Stephon Gilmore on him and then fine, okay, you just don't go that way. But you need him out there to take Gilmore away, or else they're just going to deploy him on somebody else. And he's easily been their best receiver, not named Sean Jackson this year. Like, not <laughs> right. even close. Like, it, it's definitely Alshon. For as much as he hasn't played well, like, it's it's him. It's Deshaun, one healthy. Then it's uh, Alshon. And then there's a, a chasm. And then it is everyone else after that. And, the, yeah, I mean, the, the, your remaining guys are, are – I mean, you're, you're going out there against the Patriots with a receiving core of – Jordan Matthews is your one now. <laughs> <laughs> they just signed him two days ago. And then you have Nelson Aguilar and whoever is still going to be Collins. playing with Matt Collins or J.J. Arthego whiteside Not ideal, I no. would say. <laughs> I would say that's not ideal. We'll see how that injury develops over the week. I mean, even if he plays, you know, one would assume he's not 100% or even close. So. Like, if he doesn't play, they're just going to put Gilmore on Ertz. Yeah. And then who cares if they run the ball because Ertz isn't blocking anyone anyway. So we'll see how that one develops. Still time, but not the best start to the week. Uh, Jordan Howard is the other big one here, being limited. Uh, I guess he did get banged up against the Bears, right? I guess he had to get checked in the tent at one point, I think, late in the game. He was limited, although that is concerning given that they just had their bye week. And they need him. <laughs> they need Jordan Howard down this stretch, the way they're going to have to play offense. like Yo, they, That absolutely. is not optional. <laughs> right. that, that, that is a deal breaker if they do not have him. Uh, and then, so again, we'll see how that goes. Limited isn't the worst thing. Maybe if an optimist could say like, okay, they're trying to go easy on him. So they, they do have him. Well, again, we'll see how he progresses throughout the week here. Uh, the other Howard is a shoulder, the, by the way, shoulder injury for Jordan Howard. And then yeah. Jason Peters had a, a scope on his knee during the bye, as Doug Peterson confirmed. And it seems like he might be back in the starting lineup this week. Did you watch that by the way? Yeah. He got asked point, it. he got asked point blank if by McLean, if uh, Peters had his knee scoped mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and Doug stood there and was trying to think of a way to not answer the question. <laughs> and I guess he felt like enough time had elapsed where he wasn't getting out of it anymore. And he just went, yeah, yeah. Okay. He had his knee scoped. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly is the best policy. Yeah. And actually JP is a, uh, is an interesting topic because he was also asked, I guess it was before everyone broke for the bye. This is the day after a press conference. Mm-hmm. Was that when it was? Where he was asked? I think so. Uh, who the starter would be, whether it be JP or Dillard, if uh, JP is healthy again. He started that answer by saying how good uh, Dillard played against the Bears um, mm-hmm. and how happy they are with his performance so far. And then he ended that quote by saying that JP will get his job back. When he comes back, what do you think about that? Well, did you see Stoutland, his answer? I did on, not. No, he left no doubt talking about Jason Peters. Like he, he gave like an impassioned sermon almost basically on Jason Peters. He was like, 
like he was it was in, he was almost like incredulous with someone asking you know like that jason peters like would he get his job back yeah like yes he would obviously basically and not so many words in what is what stout said and that shouldn't be surprising to anyone paying attention here i mean jp is like he might have more clout than anyone in that organization like he is a uh he's a, he's a powerful figure in, in many ways both physically and just his presence and you can talk about whether you, you think it's the right move or not. I think Jason Peters was playing at a good level before getting hurt. Mm-hmm. And I don't think you should play. Like, if your reasoning to play Andre Dillard is because he's the young guy and he's going to be playing in the future anyway, like, that to me isn't a good reason. To me, you should be playing him because you think he's the best option. Like, that would be my logic of right. playing Andre Dillard. Uh, so, if, so if you don't, I don't want to just hear, well, he's younger anyway and he's going to be around. Like, no, that's not good reasoning to me, especially if you're still competitive. If you're out of it, yeah, okay, of course. Yeah, like if you're already out of the race, but they're not. They're very much in it. So I think JP should get the starting job back. Mm, okay. I know that's not the most popular take. I think Dillard should uh, just stick in there. That's that's the take that I think is the popular take. I think that's the the easy one to have, but I think JP's better than Dillard. <laughs> it is because everyone's like, "Oh, you just everyone always wants to do prick. this." But but here's the thing: everyone always wants to do this with the young guys. They wanted to, they wanted everyone wanted Rizul Douglas to start over Patrick Robinson back in 2017, and I felt like no, you don't just hand the rookie the job because you, you, if the veteran player is playing well enough to where he's not like obviously unseated by that rookie. You don't just give the job to the rookie. That's just how I feel about it. Well, here's what here's here's my logic on it. I think that the difference between Peters and Dillard is marginal at best if Peters is better at all. Um I think that the way that Dillard started wasn't great. Like I mean, he was kind of thrown into a bad situation when cuz he Peters went down in um Minnesota in the Minnesota game, and then Dillard had to come in and had to deal with the Vikings throwing two different guys at him and Everson Griffin and Daniil Hunter. I mean, that's like it's not the easiest uh, you know task as a rookie to go in and play your first substantial amount of time in a game, and then you have those two guys alternating, and you're not getting any help either. Like the Eagles didn't all of a sudden just change their game plan and and you know, start chipping those guys at the tight end or a running back, or whatever. They're just like, all right, you're on an island, kid. Hand, handle these two different guys. And I thought he survived well enough, but he did give up some plays in that game. And I think in every game after that, he's gotten better. So I think if you just leave him in there, by the end of the season, if he continues to improve the way that he has, he's going to definitively be better than what JP is at this stage in his career. That's kind of the way I see it. So... It's not just that I feel like, okay, he's the rookie, uh, just leave him in there. Like it's not, it's not a Rizul Douglas situation in in my in in, in my opinion. I think he's actually, he could potentially be the better player by the end of the year, which is when they need him to be the best, the, the the better player anyway. Well, Jimmy, you're wrong, and I hate you. <laughs> Uh, no, I, that's that would be the reasoning that would be okay with me, though. Like, yeah. if, if you think he's better, or you know, it's, it's super marginal, then fine. Like, yeah, I'm I'm for it. But yeah, I wouldn't just play him just because like he's going to be your guy in the future. To me, that's just not the best reason. If he if you're playing him because he's better, or you think he's he's good, and the difference is yeah minimal, then that's that's another thing. The the one the one thing that I mean, you mentioned the uh, uh, the assistant coach session, which I missed. Carson Walsh said some wide receiver coach Carson Walsh, oh my not God. Carson Wentz. Said so I did see some. He said some crazy stuff on Twitter. 
you probably have a better idea of exactly what that was than me. Go ahead. I have to read you this quote, Jimmy, because this is now I will frame this in the sense of I know the position coaches aren't going to just rip their guys like I get it. They're not going to be like, yeah, this guy sucks. Like he's not going to say that. And even if he did, that doesn't necessarily solve anything. Like that player is still going to be as bad as they are. I don't think him saying it in the media is going to fix everything. But I can just, you cannot convince me what I'm about to read is like the best way to answer a question about Matt Collins' performance. And this is the quote Yes, he does not have the catches. But at the end of the day, when Matt Collins grades out for us, he's one of our top graders every week because he <laughs> aligns right, he assigns right. And he plays with great effort. We believe when the ball comes max way, he's going to make the play for us. End quote. What's I'll your reaction to I'll that, I'll disagree Jimmy? with the Alliance part, right? First of all. That's, I mean, not, I, that's another <laughs> thing. It's not even true. <laughs> I see like multiple times every game where somebody's telling him where to line up. He aligns right. But even, even, even if he did align right, that's the most asinine thing I've ever heard. He aligns right. Of course he does. He he said he's one of our top graders. What is that even? So he's one of your best players on the team. Is that what you're telling me? This guy with zero catches in September is one of your like that is to the point of where like I get the idea of gassing a guy up, but at the same time, like no, like you're this just that's to me by intelligence with that. Yeah, answer. that's what this is. Like you're like the fans and the media are like seeing this, and it you're basically just be like. I feel like in not so many words, he's saying, like, we can't appreciate what Matt Collins is bringing to this team. Actually, he's one of the top creators. Like, no, he's not. Stop saying that. <laughs> like, that's that is just ah, it is. It's frustrating. Really? That's what it is. And more than what is said, because I think, again, what is said doesn't mean everything. It's the action. And obviously, the actions to this point have been Matt Collins hasn't been able to be like there. He's been on the field too much, especially when you drafted J.J. Arthur Whiteside. Uh, the hope would be moving forward that Matt Collins will not be on the field as much because Carson Walsh did say apparently that JJ Arthur Whiteside has learned all the receiver positions and he's confident he can play all of them. Which that directly I contradicts what Doug said like a few weeks ago. By the way, I yeah, and Mike Rowe too. So yeah. I will believe that when I see it. I do not believe that right now, but I would hope to see JJ Arthur Whiteside playing more and Jordan Matthews getting more playing time in offense than Mac Hollins moving forward. So McManus had an interesting note. I didn't notice this yes. in practice today. Do you have it up and ready? Uh, I can. It's basically that uh, Mike Rowe, former Eagles wide receiver coach, clearly, and Doug Peterson were more involved with the wide receivers in practice today. Uh, the exact phrasing Tim McManus used was actively coaching receivers during individual drills. Rowe in particular involved and animated. Yeah. Not the best week for Carson Walsh, I would say. How many receivers coaches? Like, how many consecutive years with a new receivers coach have they had now? What are we up to? Is it four or five? So, I can name them all, I think. Oh, uh, go ahead. Let's B see it. Bob Bicknell in 2015. <laughs> oh, my God. He was terrible. Uh, Greg Lewis in 2016. Yeah. One and done. It would be then Mike Rowe in 2017. Still on staff, but moved out of his role. And they brought in Gunter Brewer last year, mm -hmm. 2018. And now it is Carson Walsh. And Jimmy, something we've hit on before on the podcast is this this dumb idea of them just automatically promoting from within all the time. And I think yeah, this is one of the cases where it's hurting them. Yeah. Like, how does that even make sense in the sense of, like, your wide receivers coach, Gunter Brewer, wasn't good enough last year. And you had issues, clearly, at the receiver position where you basically fired him. And then you, like, promote his assistant. And that's the answer. Like, that's the best guy. Like, that just seems so hard for me to believe. 
Yeah, they did that with Philip Daniels too. Not that I'm saying Phil, Philip Daniels is a bad job, but Carson Walsh. It, it from I mean, it's hard for from our perspective to say who's doing a good job at the positional groups and who isn't because we don't get to see them in the and you know the coaches you know in the in the room with with their guys and we can see them a little bit during training camp, but I think in this case you've seen every receiver on the team underperform and they've gotten nothing from the second round rookie. I think you can go ahead and probably say they're going to be on receiver coach number six in a row next year. As they should be. It's not looking good for Mr. Walsh. Uh, so Carson went, Carson W. was the problem this whole time. I mean, they got to get rid of Carson W. So Doug and, uh, and Mike a little more handsy with the uh, receivers coach than Carson. So here's an activity I thought we could do before the break here, Jimmy. Snake player draft. Okay. Who needs to step up the most down the stretch? Do you want the first pick or do you want the next two picks? How do you want to do this? Uh, I'm going to flip a coin. Okay, that's fair. Call it in the air. Hails. It's in the air. <laughs> it's heads. All right, I got it. I said hails, like like uh, Geno Smith did. You know what's, in, why, uh, is, why is Geno Smith a captain, by the way? I was trying to look that up. I was like, wait, what's the story here? <laughs> I don't know. There what, has what, to be, what, game I, that, what game that happened in again? Uh, Monday Night Football. For, oh, uh, well, right, right. Yeah. Seahawks, Warner, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he definitely said heads, by the way. Did he? Yeah, I, I was looking at the audio. He I mean, tweeted hails. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he definitely funny. did make it sound like both somehow. I think that's that's a, a good skill. But um, anyway, uh, so so what was the result? I I think I I really lost the coin toss. Um, did you, you say? Pick. Did you say tails? Let's do, let's do it. Again. I said hails. All right, it's going in the air. Ready, go. All right, heads. It's tails. I will take with the number one overall must step up down the stretch pick, and this is easy. And I'm going to go Carson Carson Wentz. I almost said yeah. Carson Walsh. <laughs> well, that would be nice. But... Carson Wentz. Not that he's played badly. In fact, I think he's played mostly pretty good. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, they need him to be an elite player if they're going to do any kind of damage the rest of the season and into the playoffs. That was going to be my pick, too. Uh, it has to be. And I, I guess, like, yeah, I agree with your assessment, but I would say, like, they kind of just need him to be the player in that Falcon scheme, almost like down the stretch, right. or at least more often. Like they yep. kind of just need him to like against all odds carry the team, which isn't really like fair or a spot where this team ideally should be in. It's not like uh, I think a way to fairly assess Carson Wentz in that like the curve here is he has to like just be perfect basically, and maybe even more than that. Yeah, but I think it's just where they are. Like I think that's the reality of the situation. To make a side point here. Like, sure. uh, he's not allowed to mess up in any way. Like, can you imagine oh, yeah. if he's throwing a bunch of picks? Like, people will be just absolutely destroying him. He's he's had six turnovers this year. He has four picks and two and two lost fumbles. Why does mm-hmm. he get no credit for his for the way that he for his ball security this year? I don't like. I, I never see, I never see him get any credit for not throwing interceptions or turning the ball over. Yeah, and like you said, and I think with the fumbles specifically, because that's something people would really kill him on. In yes, the past. Uh, especially reporters. I feel like would point that out a lot. And it's kind of gone He's away, and it. it's just it's just going to have been like assumed like that's how it should be. Which yeah, ideally, but like you should also be like okay, you know this is a big improvement. If you're going to kill the point being right, like you're saying right, here, if right. you're going to kill him for the mistakes, then you have to give him credit like when when the things go well. So yeah, I do think that's a good point, and um, like that's a big deal. You don't want to be Danny. Danny uh, fumbles over here with thirty five fumbles in his last forty nine games. He's on uh, pace back for like thirty something turnovers this year. Yeah, it's it's not good. I mean, he's a rookie. I get it. Yeah, 
Uh, it's not the end of his career. It's hard to do in the, in this version of the NFL, though. It's like it's a clear issue, by the yeah. way. Like it's 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 not like uh, an anomaly where you know sometimes fumbles are somewhat of an unlucky thing, or it can be like that. That strip sack by Jamal Adams on on Daniel Jones against the Jets was just like that was the easiest defensive touchdown I think I've ever seen in my life. Like he just he just like took it away from him. <laughs> yeah, he was going to hit him, like, no. and then he, he just looked at the ball and he was like, you know what? I'm just going to take this out of his hand instead. Yeah. <laughs> Let me just take this from you. Thanks. Uh, I saw somebody tweet a gif of um, Jerry Seinfeld stealing the loaf of bread from the elderly woman (laughs) and and then running down the street. Like, that's what, you know, that that play looked like. Okay. All right. So you get the next two picks, right? Uh, You have Carson Wentz. I'm going to take Fletcher Cox with number two. I think that's pretty obvious um, kind of chalk here. But, I mean, he's just going to have to be dominant. He's going to have to create a ton of disruption from the interior. And I guess... With Timmy Jernigan, hopefully, like <laughs> ideally, health, like supposedly healthy now, wasn't on the injury report for the first time since he got hurt in week two this week. Um, like I think Fletcher has even less of an excuse, you know, to not be impactful down the stretch. Because if Jernigan's healthy, he should be giving them, you know, something that's a little bit more than what they've they've had, which is almost nothing at defensive tackle in there. So I think I think um, Fletcher Cox is the big one here. And if I'm going number three. Ah oh, man, this this might be a surprise pick for you, Jimmy. But I'm gonna say Nelson Aguilar, and it's not a, <laughs> it's not a measure of confidence. It's not like I'm right. confident he will be this guy. This is like I'm saying who needs to step up. I can I can at least like in theory think you know that okay you know I, I remember 2017 like Nelson Aguilar did have a like, a great year that year, and he does have a skill set that lends to him creating explosive plays in theory, not in actuality this year. Mm, yeah. So I think if, if there's any hope for this passing attack to come alive, I think it would have to be Nelson Aguilar magically kind of becoming 2017 version of himself all over again. For the fourth overall pick, I will take Malcolm Jenkins. Okay. I mean, Why? obviously Malcolm uh, is kind of the glue that keeps that defense together. And his role in that regard is... You know, kind of, uh, it's it's invaluable. Mm -hmm. Without him last year, that secondary totally falls apart. Like, where would that team team would have been last year if he wasn't around? (laughs) Like, he didn't miss a snap at all last year. He hasn't missed a snap at all this year. So this is in no way, um, you know, like a, a severe criticism of Malcolm Jenkins. But he's got... Like and he did, you know, he did have the the field goal block as we mentioned against the Lions that almost saved that game for them. But he's got no interceptions this year. I think he's got a couple forced fumbles. I'm used to seeing him make more plays than he has so far this year. Or and 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 even if he's not making those plays, like in the past, like I've seen him like you know jump routes and get his hands on footballs and like drop them, and then he sort of fixed that a little bit. But I haven't we haven't really even seen that. Like he really hasn't been close really. Uh, to an interception this year and if he's i think they need him to make a few big plays down the stretch okay and what about with and, your and then the fifth overall pick i'll take uh alshon jeffrey you, you know what's you know it's interesting to me like i know that you used to bang on uh and rightfully so but used to bang on uh jordan matthews and uh, and his sort of inflated production oh and yeah one, and one of the points that you would make about his inflated production was that they didn't have anyone else to throw to. Yes. But his numbers were there. Like at least he did have good, like they threw to him a lot and he had good numbers. Mm -hmm. Shouldn't that be what Alshon Jeffrey is right now? 
Yeah. I mean, and, and to be clear, I, guess I they never have said, like, still, but, like... My argument was never, like, Jordan Matthews should be out of the league. Um, no, I think he no, can no, be, no, no, I understand. No, we, we... Yeah. Your argument was not necessarily... Don't extend him, basically. The, the, Don't right, give he, him a big contract yeah, extension. He doesn't... Like, he's... Right, you weren't saying that, like, he totally sucked, but... I, yes. People were... I know there were people out there that, like, would take his numbers and, blow, and I guess, not put him into the proper context, which you tried to do. <laughs> right. But his numbers were good. <laughs> I mean, For like, sure. without, like, if you just looked at him on paper, you'd go, oh, that guy is actually okay. Yeah. Alshon's kind of in a similar situation right now as mm-hmm. he was a few years ago. And he doesn't even have the numbers. Nope. So they need him to step up. And he's hurt, he's hurt right now. So, eh, I don't know. We'll don't, see. Don't feel great about it. Um, <laughs> no. I, I really should take him here. Uh, I'm going to say Zach Hurts. I mean, again, if we're talking about the passing game uh, being reliable, and I think the way the Eagles are going to have to play, I mean, I feel like Zach Hurts is going to get targeted a lot from the defense in, in terms of, you know, they're going to try to take him away. Uh, but, it's absolutely you know, you going to happen this week. It should. It absolutely should happen. They're going to um, double him I, all day. He's their most reliable offensive player, like out of pass catchers. And really, maybe like as a whole outside of Carson Wentz like he's the guy you can count on in theory at least week after week so I think he's going to need to have a big stretch down here down the stretch um I think he's going to be vital he he had his one of his best games right against the Bears they obviously won that was key yeah so I'll take Zach Gertz and with my I guess what is this my final pick here oh is this uh is how many deep are we going I don't know we should probably cut it off after this because we're running long <laughs> I want my but, last pick Okay, because you you would have you would have one extra pick than me if we just ended it okay. after yours. Okay, yeah, then you get your last pick after this. I will take Miles Sanders because okay. I know I mentioned Jordan Howard earlier, but Miles Sanders to me, I mean, like where would they be without him? In the sense of he has their longest play from scrimmage in five out of their last seven games. Like for an offense that does not have explosion, he is their best bet at creating an explosive play uh, by far. I would say yeah. right now. And I think that's absolutely vital. And I think in a world where maybe Jordan Howard, you know, isn't fully healthy down the stretch and Jordan Howard's been great, but Miles Sanders can kind of become that player. Like you almost thought he would be Jimmy, like from the gate or from the get go out of the gate early in the season. Like if he can kind of form into that down the stretch and he has been kind of trending, I feel like in the right way, if he can kind of just, you know, really explode onto the scene here down the stretch and be an even like bigger weapon for the team than he's been, I think that would be huge. Yeah, I think that's a fair one. And now I had two guys ahead of him about the guy I'm about to pick. So I had Derek Barnett and Dallas Goddard higher on my list here. Mm-hmm. But I want to shoehorn him into the podcast somehow. Let's but do it. I'm going to go Josh, pick. Josh Sweat. Oh, baby. I think he's close. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think he's what, close. What do you say Josh Sweat is anything like Daniel Hunter? I, well, again, uh, I empathize with Mr. Berman and uh, his Daniel Hunter comp because i comped <laughs> josh sweat to daniel hunter when i do like my uh player comps every year my oh, rookie okay. player comp- I, I comped him to daniel hunter too i mean because they have like you know the physical attributes and yeah whatnot. i get it i get it and, and zach wasn't actually saying they're the same player yeah he was saying in the mold he, yeah he was saying the same thing as me basically right he copied off you yeah. i think he, well he didn't copy off me but, <laughs> i'm just kidding <laughs> but uh i think he's close i i think he's kind of shown that he can get to the quarterback. He's shown mm-hmm. some real, like, legitimate flashes of a guy that can be a good pass rusher. And I think that at any moment, boom, the light could turn on. 
and he starts making plays. I think that's a real possibility for him heading down the stretch here. All right, so we'll uh, see how those go, I guess. I don't know. I don't know if we're going to assign ourselves points or something for this, but uh, yeah, that was our that was our most important players who need to step up, I guess, down the stretch. Not in, and again, not in terms of actually confidence going to happen, more just so about like needing it to happen, basically, for this team to be any good. So uh, are you ready to go to break, Jimmy? Back after this. Back here on BGN Radio, episode 92. Brandon Lee Gowton here with you, as well as Jimmy Kemsky. Jimmy, the Eagles play the Patriots this week. Don't they know do? What? Really? Yeah. Big oh matchup. Well, they played them in the Super Bowl, right? Yeah, I was just going to say, these teams last played in Super Bowl 52. Oh, that was man. a game between the Eagles and the exciting. Patriots in Minnesota. Did they win? Uh, the Eagles did win that game by a score of 41-33. to 33. Ah. Nick Foles... No longer on the team. He's with the Jaguars now. Super Bowl MVP. Okay. Wow. Wow. How that happened? They, they got rid of the Super Bowl winning quarterback? What? I know. It's crazy. Oh, my God. Um, that's a whole other podcast. <laughs> Jimmy, the Patriots haven't really played anyone. Uh, it's what I would start with. Now, I'm not saying they're a bad team. They haven't, beat, well, they haven't beaten anyone. They play, The Ravens are a good team. Sorry. They haven't beaten anyone. They've had the second easiest strength of schedule in the entire league. I don't know how the there's Bills. a team that had a, a had a worse one. Who, who well, had... the Bills. The oh, Bills. okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> uh, yeah, so so what is this Patriots team to me here? You did your matchup column for Philly Voice. What are you looking at? I guess we'll start with the Patriots offense here. It's not the same offense that, I mean, we saw them be early in the earlier in this decade and late in the last decade like i don't think their offense really has been um like a juggernaut yeah right i mean even the even the year they played him in the super bowl i thought that was like among their i thought that was you know either their worst or close to it offense in any of their super bowl years with the exception of the i guess the first year that, that they won when you know brady went the first time um I remember like looking at their offense and thinking like they're not that great. Like even if you looked at like their DVOA uh, offense compared to their other Super Bowl winning or losing years, they just weren't. And I think this they just weren't as good. And then I think this team, you know, isn't as isn't even as good as that Super Bowl year, obviously because you know Gronk is gone and he is a huge factor. And you know what? Where I think they're vulnerable when I look at um, you know ways that you can attack them is along their offensive line. So they have their center David Andrews who had like a, a pretty serious medical condition for like a blood clot. I think it was in his lung. And um, he went on IR before the season began. The, the, the guy who's replacing him is escaping me. And then uh, they lost their left tackle, Isaiah Wynn with a foot injury, I think. And uh, Marshall Newhouse is starting in place of him at left tackle. So they have two backups in along their offensive line. And I thought that the the Patriots offensive line, and again, I don't want to keep referring back to the Super Bowl because it's a different, you know, they're different teams. But, you know, for the most part, the Eagles defensive line is, you know, similar, I guess. You know, you're minus a player here and there, but you know, Brandon Graham's still there. Fletcher Cox is still there. Uh, Derek Barnett is still there. And a lot of the Patriots offensive linemen are still there. I thought that was a big uh, disparage. I thought that, that that was like one of the biggest uh, advantages that the Eagles had in that game was their defensive line against the Patriots' offensive line, and I think that's their best advantage in this game as well. I think uh, the Patriots are a little bit vulnerable there. I mean, in the Super Bowl, they did a good job, and as they always do, of getting the ball out quickly. But obviously, you know that big play at the end of the game is what eventually won it for them. 
So I think the Eagles really need to make a big play against this, you know, sort of hobbled uh, Patriots offensive line. And I think that one way they can do it is by, and I already mentioned Josh Sweat, but you want to, I think that, you know, their, their strength <laughs> now is, is like their defensive ends. Brandon Graham's playing a lot better. Uh, mm-hmm. Derek Barnett, again, if they can, he's, I think he's been playing better recently as well. And if he can, you know, sort of heal up a little bit over this bye week, they get something out of him. And then, you know, you have, well, you have Graham switch, you know, shifting inside to defensive tackle. You have Josh Sweat coming in at defensive end on obvious passing downs. And then I'm curious to see, you know, if, uh, you know, Jannard Avery can get more snaps in this game. He got what, like three or four snaps. Is that all it was against the bears? And yeah, had, it was three. And he had a half sack. So like, I think it's a, it's, it's an interesting game for him potentially lining up in that joker role and those a gaps against this backup center that they have in there. So, you know, maybe you get him involved as well. And then of course, Fletcher, Fletcher Cox is going to be in there as well. And he's going to get the, you know, he's going to get the attention obviously of, of Bill Belichick, who's going to look to take him away. So they need those other guys to step up and make some plays. And I think that they can. Yeah. I mean, you know, ideally uh, you, you don't want to blitz Tom Brady. Uh, right, not right. really going to trick him. You kind of need to win with the front four, and that's something where, in theory, at least the Eagles would match up well against this kind of team because that's what they want to do. They want to generate pressure in general with their front four. Uh, one thing I will point out to you, Jimmy, I guess I'll ask you this question. Jim Schwartz doesn't have the best history against Patriots offenses, dating back to 2003 and excluding a week. 17 game in 2014 when Jim Schwartz was the Bills coordinator and the Patriots rested their starters and including the Super Bowl. So there are six games basically here to reframe this where Jim Schwartz has faced the Patriots offense since 2003, including the Super Bowl. What do you think the Patriots have averaged points wise in those six games? Oh, well, it was 33 in the Super Bowl. 36. You were close. That was a really good guess. 35. Uh, Okay. So they've had success. Belichick, you know, and his regime have had success against Jim Schwartz defenses in the past. I feel like they should have scored more than 33, by the way, in that Super Bowl. They really should have. Based on the way they were just going up and down the field on them. They didn't punt the entire game. They didn't punt the entire game. Uh, They would have scored more if Brandon Graham didn't strip sack Tom Brady there, for sure. Like, that's a lock. Um, Yeah, so just based on the past, not a great trend, I would say. Although... I think in this kind of game, it could be. I don't think it's going to be quite the shootout it was in Super Bowl Fifty Two in this game for many reasons on both sides. Um, both because of the Eagles' offense, I don't think can score that much, and I think the way the Patriots are playing, they're not again this juggernaut that's going to put up. I think like just a ton of points all day on this quality of an Eagles defense, which I think is at least decent. Um, and I think the way they're trending, like you said, I think that's that's maybe if we're talking about reasons for Eagles optimism is like is the defense actually because they've shown some encouraging things. And now, granted, they've played Mitchell Trubisky and Josh Allen, which certainly helps with all of that. But still, I mean, it, it's something they're making some kind of progress on that side of the ball, which is uh, not necessarily something everyone thought we'd be saying, given the cornerback situation with this team and getting shredded against the Cowboys and the Vikings just weeks ago. Um, do you have anything else on the Patriots offense, Jimmy? 43, by the way, on uh, on high of 43 on Sunday, by the way. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the wind is going to be, but the uglier the the uglier the, the uglier the weather conditions, the better it is for the Eagles, I believe. I thought I saw a high of 41, and I did see a low of 33. Okay. You know why those numbers are significant, Jimmy? 
Oh, <laughs> I did see that though. For real, that was going around. Did you tweet that's that? funny. Oh, okay. No, right, I saw yeah, someone tweet that. Right, I don't. Yeah, I don't good. remember who it was. Okay, as long as it's out there, that makes me happy. It's out there. <laughs> um, so flipping the other to the other side of the ball, Patriots defense here. Uh, what do you have on this side of the ball, Jimmy? Uh, okay, so a, a lot. I mean, I think that the Patriots are vulnerable against the run, which kind of plays into the Eagles' hands, obviously. Which, yeah. That, that's kind of what the Eagles have become this year is this weird, you know, establish the run team. Grind it I, out. I didn't see that coming when the season began, but that's what they are. That's, that's where we are here. And the only two games that were competitive in um, – I mean, so the Patriots have blown everyone out that they played with the exception of the Bills and the Ravens. And in those two games where those two teams were, well, the Ravens had a lead, but the Bills were also in it in the second half, the Bills ran for 6.1 yards per carry in their game. Ravens ran for 5.1 yards per carry. They had 210 rushing yards. Bills had 135 rushing yards. So I think that they can, I think the Eagles can run the ball on this team. And I mean, as a whole, so the Patriots have only faced um, 189 rushing attempts on the season. It's 21 a game, which is the second fewest in the NFL, obviously, because, you know, they're blowing teams out. Every and mm-hmm. Teams are just, you know, abandoning the run pass. in the second half. And they're only 11th in run defense. So they're, I think on the season, it was 4.7 yards per carry they're allowing, which isn't good. And I think the Eagles run game, and I guess, you know, more specifically, their, their, uh, their offensive line, has really been awesome at times this year. I mean, you look at some of the some of the holes that they open up, and I don't think Sanders and Howard have done enough with some of these holes that the Eagles line opens up for them Agreed. at times. Uh, I mean, they've just been amazing, and um, that's how they're gonna that's how they're gonna beat this team if they're able to. And then the other thing I'll mention here quickly is uh, you know we just t- we touched on this earlier with you know Carson Wentz not turning the ball over. The Patriots have. And this is insane to me in 2019. They've allowed three touchdowns, three passing touchdowns, and they have 19 interceptions. Wow. <laughs> that's crazy. Like, that's, that's insane in this in the modern NFL. I, oh, you know what I didn't do? I didn't look up what they're passing. They're, let's do uh, the Francesa. While you look that up, I will say the... the uh... <laughs> 45.8. Is, okay. is opposing pass yeah, rate I, we're pretty against close. them. I mean, but but you look at the quarterbacks that they've played, and uh, so Roethlisberger week one, um, combination of Rosen and Fitzpatrick for the Dolphins week two. Mm-hmm. Luke Falk they got as well, like the Eagles did yep. week three. Uh, a combo of Josh Allen and Matt Barkley week four. By the way, did you see that game? Yeah. Matt Barkley was horrible in the fourth quarter of that game. <laughs> if I could just put that out there. Week five, uh, Colt McCoy. For Washington, week six, Daniel Jones, turnover machine, Daniel Jones. Week seven, mm-hmm. Sam Darnold, quote-unquote, saw ghosts. Uh, week eight, by the way, I, that's the most annoying new football quote. I, I'm mad at myself for even having just used that. I hate that, seeing yeah. ghosts. Get out, stop. I don't want that to be the new thing that people say. And people are what saying if he like, was actually seeing ghosts, though? Like some sixth sense thing. <laughs> that's better. And then, then, okay. then, then I'd be fine with it. But now okay. now I now that, that that's like a new, like cool thing to say oh yeah the guy guy throws an interception oh he's seeing ghosts out there shut up you didn't even know that existed two weeks ago (laughs) week eight baker mayfield uh (laughs) week nine and uh week nine is you know obviously a very good quarterback this year lamar jackson Mm -hmm. 
and they lost to him. Yeah. So they haven't seen a murderer's row of quarterbacks, but they, I mean, th- three touchdowns, 19 interceptions. I don't care who you're playing. That, that's pretty damn impressive. Yeah. They're, um, they're second overall in pass defense DVOA. And then they are it? weaker. Who's better? Yeah. Uh, San Fran is number one. Oh, uh, okay. They're only 14th, though, in run defense DVOA. So that does appear to kind of be the point where the Eagles should attack. I'm and really kind of that high. Well, where they have to attack, too, just given, you know, again, their limitations on offense, and especially if you're going to be missing Alshon. And so it's kind of funny. I think this ideally um, – so it's kind of funny because, like, I've been saying, I think both of us have been saying that ideally the way the Eagles are the way they were beating the Bills and the Bears like isn't really sustainable in the long run. Yeah. But like against this Patriots team, like this specific matchup, it seems like actually one that kind of looks viable and and one they can actually and should really uh, go after. I think the other really advantage to playing that way too is keeping Brady on the sideline. Like just like grind out these long drives, like limit the amount of time he can spend on the field. And uh, I think that's kind of like ideally what you really kind of could do against this defense. Um, sticking with the theme of the the trope that I'm glad Bo Wolf asked Doug Peterson about this today because it kind of just gets said all the time that like, oh, Bill Belichick, he just takes away the best thing. Yeah. And I also love how that's like some kind of revelation. Like wouldn't like any coach <laughs> think that way? Like, <laughs> right. Oh, now we're gonna let him do their best thing, but we're gonna like, I don't know. Well, we're it just playing the pretty... Bulls tonight. We're gonna yeah. we're gonna stop Horace Grant. <laughs> <laughs> they'll never see it coming they'll just throw him a curveball and, and Doug Peterson did give credence to that he said yeah they absolutely do do that uh, he kind of brought up some of the names that the Patriots might take away <laughs> <laughs> yeah this is uh, one of my one of my favorite Doug moments of the year go ahead and he he mentioned Zach Ertz he mentioned Alshon Jeffrey and he mentioned Nelson Aguilar <laughs> Nelly and I was like wait what did I hear that right <laughs> I think it's Doug messing with us like, oh man, Belichick gonna take Aguilar. Like that would help the Eagles. That would be like a, that would that would hurt the Patriots if they took Nelson Aguilar away. <laughs> right. And what was funny about that too is he got he got asked the follow up question. I think it was, I think again it was Bo. Or he said, Well, okay, who? Who are they gonna take away? <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, Yeah, you know, we can kind of look at our roster and or no no no. The the question wasn't who, it was uh, are you confident you know who that will be? Yeah. And he goes, yeah, yeah, we can kind of look at our roster and, and take a pretty good guess who it'll be. <laughs> so it's probably going to be Zach Ertz, just like other teams have oh, been. Oh, I, fig- I figured he was talking about Matt Collins, but. Oh, well, sorry. Well, I mean, he does grade out as one of the highest players on the team. So I don't know ooh, if Belichick knows that. Ooh, do you think that's what the uh, I think that's what the Eagles are doing? They're like, Carson, Maybe, yeah. Carson tell them that uh, Mac is graded <laughs> higher than anyone. Let's see if we can get the Patriots to take him out. Yeah, that's worth a try, I guess. So so, what are they going to do, Jimmy? Like, what is the what is the Eagles' offensive game plan in terms? Like, we already kind of talked about the the running the ball thing. I think that's fairly straightforward and kind of obvious. Like, what is their best plan of attack in the passing attack? Like, they're going to have to have some kind of functional passing attack to win. One more matchup thing that I that I'll notice first, or that I'll mention first, is uh, <coughs> excuse me. Um, and I kind of had this same point when they played the Bills. Was the Bills, you know, the strength of their defense was their secondary. Uh, Poyer and um, uh, Micah Hyde, uh, you know, on the mm-hmm. back end, and uh, uh, Tre'Davious White at corner, and they're those guys are just wasted <laughs> against the Eagles receivers. It's like, okay, that's your strength. Good for you. Our, our receivers, you know, the receivers stink anyway. So, like, who cares? And I think that's, that's some, kind of a, that's some like three D chess from Harry Roseman right there. <laughs> right. 
Oh yeah, uh, good job, guys, building up your secondary against our against our crappy receivers. Boom, jokes on you. So, <laughs> but it's kind of like I mean, Stephon Gilmore is probably their best player on defense, and then you know McCourty's yeah. an awesome safety. Yeah, those guys are kind of wasted to some degree against uh, against these Eagles receivers. I mean, I guess you know you could just put those two guys on there and take him out, and then the Eagles passing game is shut down. Actually, the one guy that really Needs to step up for the Eagles, I think, this week would be Goddard in the passing yeah. game. Uh, if he can have a big game, then, you know, that, that'd be uh, a huge plus for them. Like a monster game. I feel like they need that. Yeah, Dallas yeah Goddard. right. Like, they need, like, not just, like, you know, a, a touchdown here. Like, I'm talking about, like, 100 yards. Like, like a huge game. Yes. Yeah. And he's already awesome as a blocker, but you're right. I mean, you, could, you, you really could use a big receiving day out of him. And then they need a, a big receiving day, in my opinion, out of the running backs. Whether it's um, you know Miles Sanders making a big play down the field, or even if it's just you know Jordan Howard in the screen game or something like that, or you know catching him on an easy wheel route or something like that, you know, and all anything that they can get from someone other than the receivers, because I think we can just count on them not really giving them that much. Is you know I, that, that they're going to have to find. This is kind of going to be like a Doug Peterson game again, like it was in the Super Bowl. He's going to have to dig deep and come up with whatever he can to move the ball against this defense because it's not going to be easy. And I think to Doug's credit, he's done well against good defenses in the past. Uh-huh. He doesn't get shut out so easily, I feel like. I think Doug I think Doug is up to the challenge is, is what They're I will say. They're 14th in points this year, which to me is a minor miracle. Yeah, that's kind of crazy when you really think about <laughs> how that's possible with this passing attack. Uh, do you have any final notes on the defense before I get to a, one quick special teams note? No, go hit you. Go, hit us with hit us with you. I don't want to wait for the special teams note. Let me hear it. Uh, well, how, Nick how Folk. dare how dare you deprive of this special teams <laughs> note? An hour into the podcast, and I know I'm I'm really depriving everyone. But you know, Nick Folk had his first game with the Patriots in Week Nine. So, and prior to kicking for the Patriots in that game, he didn't even play at all. I think last year, his last season he played was in 2017. 35 years old. So, you know, he might not be like the most sure thing and kicker for them in this game. There could Mm -hmm. be an errant kick. And the other thing I'll note along those lines is the Patriots only rank 18th in special teams DVOA. So that's not necessarily something that has been their strength this year. Just something to keep an eye on. I would say the Eagles. I think the Eagles are 21st in DVOA. That surprises me because I I know they have a punt block for a touchdown. Patriots? Yeah, they do. But I guess like between the kicker stuff... They also had a they had a muffed so they had a muff punt that was recovered in the end zone by the Jets. Yeah, I remember watching that game before in the Eagles time played too, the Jets. Right? Yeah, I mean that game was already way out of hand, and I think they just given like a young guy a chance to return a punt and he muffed it and they and, and the Jets scored. But uh, yeah, yeah, I I I feel like that's probably not really uh, a weakness of their team. Probably just kind of like a weird thing that's happened over their first nine games. Probably just a few a few weird plays that are maybe skewing that. Well, when the Eagles make a big special teams play on Sunday, you although can thank although, me. although I, I will say, I will say the Nick Falk point is very on point though. Well, I think you would appreciate that your love for kickers. Did you see and the uh, Did you see the kicker, the Niners kicker? Did you watch that game to the end? No. So they had to replace uh, Robbie Gould, and uh, I forget the, the name of the kicker that uh, that they signed, but he made three field goals in that game. He had a chance to win it at the end of regulation. And this is like one of the worst kicks I've ever seen in my life. Oh, was, yeah. It went to like the tunnel, right? Yeah. And it's funny because like uh, throughout the entire game, 
you know, the, the two announcers, uh, Tessator, who I is terrible, by the way, and uh, and Booger, who I'm not a big fan of either. They're just mm. like every time this guy made a kick, they're like, oh, this guy, this guy really came to play. It's, this guy's a gamer. Look at this guy. We weren't expecting him to make this. He made these three for three now. Oh, uh. And then as soon as he misses this kick, they're like, he just didn't have it in him. <laughs> <laughs> the moment was too big for this guy. Yeah, <laughs> like all game, they're praising him, and then he misses the kick at the end. He just didn't have it in him. He just uh, they turned into Francesa a little bit. But So Nick Folk might not have it in him this week. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. He is a he is a he is a he's a vet, as you mentioned. What'd you say? He's thirty five. Yes. Okay. He's been around a long time, Nick Folk. Speaking of my princess, Jimmy, are you ready to go to break? Yes. Back after this. Okay, we are back here. Final segment on BGN Radio, episode ninety two, with Brandon Lee Gowton and Jimmy Kemsky from Bleeding Green Nation and Philly Voice, respectively. All right, Jimmy, uh, we can get into our NFL picks against the spread here quickly. Just have two. Uh, two games this week, both in the NFC East, and then we'll get to our Eagles game to kind of close it out here. Jimmy, the Cowboys are four and a half point favorites in Detroit against the Lions, who don't have Matthew Stafford, presumably. Oh, is that he's still out? Uh, I don't think we know that officially, but it seems like you know it's, it's kind of trending that way. Stafford missed his first game since 2010 uh, against the Bears this past weekend in Week 10 when the Eagles were on their bye. So the Cowboys potentially going up against Jeff Driscoll. They're 4.5 road favorites. Is there any way you're taking the Lions? I have several things to point out about the about both Matthew Stafford and Jeff Driscoll. Okay. What do you want first? Do you want my Driscoll nugget or do you want my Stafford nugget? Uh, Driscoll. All right. So Driscoll, it was destined for failure like before he even got into the league. Because he and uh, a number of other players at the Senior Bowl were pointed. So at the Senior Bowl, they had like they give you a, uh, a list of all the players and their measurements from height, weight, uh, arm length, uh, hand size. You know all everything that you see on like those mock draftable spider charts. And for some players, they say like it'll say like no hand measurement taken. Because they have a hand deformity. Mm. <laughs> so I was like, hand deformity? And there's like seven or eight of them. <coughs> Excuse me. So uh, I went and found each player that was listed as a hand deformity. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I asked each of them if uh, I could take a picture of their hand. And their, def- and their, their various deformities. And <laughs> most of them it was like... Uh, you know, they had like a, like a broken bone in their hand and they're, I guess they're like, they had like Brian Baldinger fingers were like kind of turned the other way and they all were like, yeah, sure. <laughs> Let me take a picture of their, of their hand. But it was very awkward going up to these players and saying, uh, excuse me, uh, uh, I understand you have a hand deformity and I'd like to take a picture of it if you don't mind, huh? <laughs> Oh, I'm not even a journalist, by the way. I'm just, uh, <laughs> it's like some creepy guy doing it. I don't even think being a journalist matters. <laughs> yeah. But all, almost all of them are like, yeah, fine, no problem. Uh, the, the only two guys that said, oh, by the way, one of the guys, I think it, I think it might have been Jordan Jenkins, who plays for the Jets. Let me, yeah, he, he does. He, he was missing his finger completely. So <laughs> I felt really bad about that one. <laughs> Wow. Hold on. 
Oh yeah, there it is. Actually, there's the picture that I took of him. You, if you Google Jordan Jenkins' finger, you can see my picture that I took of his. It's got All like right. half of his finger is gone. Oh yeah, I see it. <laughs> I took that picture. Great. So uh, Driscoll was a tough one to ask because. Each of the quarterbacks, so like they have like this media day where I was able to go up to all these players and you just, you know, they're all just sitting there like eating or like, you know, milling around or whatever. And uh, it's like a one-on-one type situation. Whereas quarterbacks, they sit up at a table and uh, that's the only way that you can ask them questions. And there's like a lot of people there like trying to ask them questions. So now like, it's not just as if like I'm walking up to a guy and saying, hey, uh, can I take a picture of your deformed finger? (laughs) Now, like, I'm trying to win a question face-off, and mm. <laughs> so, like, now I get my question in, and I'm like, uh, hey, Jeff, uh, hey, uh, you got a deformed finger. Can I take a picture of it real quick? What'd he say? So, Jeff Driscoll goes, he goes, nah, man, that's weird. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's not wrong. No, totally not wrong at all. But I knew at that moment that his NFL career was going to be a failure. Well, that's fair. And he and he lost last week, and I was and I was happy that he did. The moment was too big for him. It absolutely was, but not non throwing hand deformed finger. By the way, it was left hand. And what was the Stafford thing? So the Stafford thing you mentioned the what was the consecutive start string? I don't know what the number was, but it was dating back to two thousand ten. It was a hundred something. I know that. Yeah, but it's, it was substantial. And the point that I'll make, the Eagles' point that I'll make. Is you know, early in his career, he got hurt a lot. Like, mm-hmm. and I think his career was even worse. Really, I wouldn't even say it mirrored Carson Wentz's, but I, it, like, he was out a lot, and people were wondering if he was ever going to, you know, be able to stay healthy. And he overcame that. So I mm-hmm. think that's, uh, you know, sort of a he's he's sort of the guy that you look to if you want to be encouraged by uh, the possibility of Carson Wentz having a long, healthy career. Also, knock on wood, another big thing Carson has been able to do this year, stay on the field. Correct. Not really. Yes. Almost like not even getting a lot of credit for that. Again, He's only missed he, 15 although, snaps this year. And that wasn't even, like I think, fully his fault. I think the NFL screwed up a little bit there, as he talked about. Like, they should have pulled him earlier. Like, yeah. he, he, was on the sideline late, he was on the sideline waiting around, and they didn't pull him until, like, late. Like, he he could have missed no time. Or right. Right before the drive was time. about to start, they are like, you yeah. got to go into the tent and get checked for a concussion. Right. So and then he did, and he got cleared, and he went back in the game. And then the yep. other, and that wasn't all fifteen snaps. Like the others were, he got they just took him out. Uh, yeah, they took him out when when they blew out Garbage the Jets, time. and then they took him out when they were getting blown out by I don't remember if it was the Cowboys Vikings. or the Vikings or both. But he came out of one of those games at least. Yeah. So yeah, he's been healthy all year. So who do you have in this? <laughs> oh. <laughs> so <laughs> so Cowboys minus four and a half. Oh, if Stafford isn't playing, then I'll take the Cowboys minus four and a half all day. Same. I think, I don't know. How could you take? They're going to blow them out if, uh, if they don't have, like I, I, so I got screwed because I make my picks on Thursday and I picked the Lions as one. Sorry, I'm pulling pulling my blinds down. Uh, I was going to say, what are you Um, doing? (laughs) It sounds like you're like assembling like Legos or something. (laughs) And I'm also not near the microphone anymore. All right, there we go. Okay. Uh, so, so, uh. Uh, oh yeah, I made my picks, but I make them on uh, Thursday, and in last week's case, I made them on Tuesday because I was leaving for vacation, so I'm not have everything pre-written. So I picked the Lions as one of my picks, and then like I find out Stafford isn't playing, and I'm like, well, I can't unpick them now because if I picked 
like the Bears, for example, I wouldn't be like, well, I'm unpicking them now. So like, yeah. I felt like I had to stick with them, and I got screwed by that. But uh, I think Stafford is kind of like an underrated quarterback, and you kind of saw what they would be without him, which is real. I mean, the Bears again, like kind of, as far as I understand, the Bears uh, had a similar game like they did uh, the week prior against the Eagles. Or their mm-hmm. offense was just garbage. In, the, like the, uh, in this case, it was like a, for the first quarter and a half. And then they started to turn it on a little bit. And, you know, they wound up losing. The, the, the Lions wound up winning that game or losing that game because they couldn't score points uh, when the Bears weren't. So I think that the Lions, I think that that pick would have been good <laughs> if uh, if uh, if Stafford had played and the Lions would have would have won that game easily. But I think without him, they're just they're kind of close to like a bottom five team. And I think I think I think the the, the Cowboys are going to mop them up if if they don't have Stafford. I agree with you. I will take the Cowboys minus four and a half. Next game, Jets Washington. Game, Jets at Washington. Washington's actually favored by one How point. How are they favored? I, well, I have no idea. <laughs> I actually but, saw one point five. Okay, that's crazy. But the reason, and by the way, these odds are brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook The reason why I wanted to bring up Washington, obviously they're bad. This game isn't really interesting from that perspective. Just the fact that uh, Dwayne Haskins is going to be their starter for the rest of 2019. Uh, Yeah, I think that that hurts them in this game. Obviously, it's the right decision for them. It's obviously the right decision to have him play. But Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I'll take the Jets to win that game outright. And, yeah, same. <laughs> yeah, like I'll zero touchdowns, win. four interceptions this year so far for Mister Haskins. I'll have them winning by like ten in this game. Yeah, I uh, I don't get it. The the Jets have like something going for them. Yeah, the, like, like Darnold is okay. Like people are like starting to yeah. crap on Darnold, but like, I don't, and their defense okay. isn't bad. Yeah, their defense is fine. Their defense is good. So I think that's an easy one. And I just wanted to mention once again the Giants are two and eight. They're on their bye, but Daniel Jones again thirty five fumbles. I look back at this going back to college. In 49 games, a, a big concern for Mr. Jones, who hit a four touchdown, zero interception game against the Jets. Okay, but like those fumbles are not a minor thing. Like that's a big deal. Like I, if I'm a Giants fan, I'm, I'm worried about that. Like I think that's not just going to magically go away. Like that's that's an issue. Pat Shermer fired over under Christmas. I think there is no one better in a Week 17 game than Pat Shermer. Okay. And so they, you're going especially a meaningless one they that hang, will only they hurt your draft position. So they're gonna hang with them, and they're gonna lose to the Eagles anyway. Okay. And, and then he gets fired after the season. Okay. Does it, do you think it helps or hurts the Eagles if they fire him midseason? I think it hurts them. I think so too. I think status, I don't, status quo with that team is, is exactly what the Eagles want. I because I don't. Uh, I guess will they elevate Shula? Mike, St- their coordinator? It doesn't matter who they elevate. Status well, quo is better for the Eagles. <laughs> yes, I agree. Anyway, um, getting to, and I just want to mention that as well, obviously, because the Eagles play the Giants twice in the final seven games of the season. Uh, so here's the big pick, Jimmy. It is Patriots at the Eagles this week. The Patriots, last time I looked, are three and a half point road favorites. It hasn't moved either. That's what it was to start. Which is a what do you think like, about when that? I first saw that line, I was like, "How is that only three point five? And then when I started looking at you know what they are <clears throat> and the uh, matchups that I that I believe are in the Eagles' favor, it's like, okay, I can kind of see it. And I'm torn. I think like it's going to be a close game, and I'm mm-hmm. torn whether I want those points or not. I'm pretty pretty sure I'm picking the Patriots to win this game, but uh, 
It's going to be cool. I think the Patriots win by four. I think it's like a 28-24 game. Okay. So you're taking the Patriots to cover. I am, yeah. You're a traitor and a disgrace to many. Disgraziate, yes. I think I probably have the dumbest pick for this game out of anyone this week. I think it's an insane pick. I'm going to say the Eagles 27, the Patriots 27. It's going to be a tie. (laughs) I just, I feel it. I I, I kind of feel optimistic. I think the Eagles, for all their flaws, match up bet. I don't. It's not like that I think they match up amazing against the Patriots, but I guess I think they match up better than you would think, just based on the fact of the Patriots being this eight and one, very good team, and the Eagles being so inconsistent. But yeah, so I don't. <laughs> well, it's such it, a dumb it, prediction. Back, back to your kicker point. You know, like if Falk misses a field goal in overtime, it's yeah, possible. There you go. And a tie would be pretty good, I think, for the Eagles in this situation. Like, I think if if you could sign up for a tie, would you take that if they're the Eagles against the Patriots? I would, I would say so. I don't know. Uh, I would say help, so. Does it help I think you though? I don't know, but I feel like you're going to lose anyway. I feel like you're like I. I feel like they're they're going to lose. So I would I would take the tie. I wouldn't play for a tie because it's a cowardly thing to do. It takes the head to head away with uh, Dallas, but you don't you don't get the win. Obviously, how does that impact common games though? If, if it the doesn't matter, well, lost... no, it, it wouldn't matter. So, like once the Eagles tie, there's no there's there's no uh, tiebreaker needed duh. anymore, unless the Cowboys tie. But yeah, no, you're right. Yeah, unless the Cowboys um, tie the game too. Yeah, true. Duh, dumb. Uh, yeah, so I'm gonna say it's a tie. <laughs> I'm gonna say it's a tie, twenty-seven to twenty-seven. All right. so I'll I'll take the Eagles with the points, obviously, but uh, but yeah, it's bold. I it's, like it. Well, it's, it's also very cowardly because I'm not <laughs> even picking a winner of the game. Uh, but I don't know. I just feel like ties happen at some points, and if, if someone doesn't predict them, then you know, then who? Someone has to, and I guess it had to be me. Uh, any final thoughts, Jimmy? Before we wrap this one up, I don't. But uh, well, I guess I do. If I'm, if I can't say I don't, and then have a final point. But okay. uh, Birds with Friends has accepted our challenge. Yes. That was uh, uh, presented by Kill a Cow, was it? Yes. I just named the time and place, I guess. Well, we're waiting. Yeah, uh, I don't know, what, that, I don't know what the challenge accepted means. Well, it's going to be a, a, what did Bo phrase it here? A, a fittingly the, the uh, bird pun. one, I think. Decathus one, yes. Uh, so just an all-out event. I will note that I defeated Bo Wolf. In a standing contest in the Eagles press box the last game where Bo was coming down the stairs to get to his seat and I was going up to go up the stairs and me being the person, you know, very kind and courteous person that I am, I was letting going to let him sit first and he, Bo, also being, I guess, very kind and also as stupidly stubborn as I am, didn't want to sit down. So we both stood there for probably about like five minutes until finally he walked up and he had to go somewhere. So I feel like I won that one. So we'll take a win. One nothing. Boom. Uh, yep. Yeah, one nothing. Up on that. Uh, other reporters can confirm how ridiculous that was. So yeah, we'll, we'll see how that goes with Birds with Friends. Um, the other thing I wanted to mention is that not official yet, but kind of hoping to finalize some details on a BGN watch party in Philly, South Philly, for the Week 15 Washington game. So keep an eye out for that on BleedingGreenNation.com and BGN Radio. Hopefully we're going to have some more details on that for you soon. And obviously, as always, please rate, subscribe, download, review, all those good things. Really appreciate it. Help support the podcast. Look, this is a free podcast. We're not, you know, we're not some kind of podcast out there that makes you pay to listen to episodes. Uh, you know, it's a free podcast. So if you want to help support it, 
and it's free. You can just go and leave a rating and review and all that, and we'd really appreciate it. So for this episode of BGN Radio, episode 92, hold on, hold head on. of the before, Eagles. Before, before you sign off, what, what happens at the watch party? Uh, we're just going to watch the game. Okay. And we might have some, I think there's going to be some deals at the place potentially, some food deals, some drink deals. Uh, hoping to have a bunch of BGN logo t-shirts to give out that will be uh, free. And we'll see if there there might be some other giveaways and stuff. So could be cool. And then uh, what, where did you say where it was, or was that not? No, we don't. Have that uh, we have a spot in the crosshairs, but I don't want to say it yet, just because you know right. it's not so officially it's up just, there. It's, it's like a bar where everyone goes to meet up and watch. It would be game. in South Philly. Got is it. what I'll say. Sorry, you were on a roll there on that close. Yeah, I know you. You just you ruined <laughs> me, Jimmy. Uh, yeah. So that this uh, that has been this episode of BGN Radio. I've been Brandon Lee Gowton from BleedingGreenNation.com. Follow me on Twitter at Brandon Gowton. You can follow Jimmy Kemsky at Philly Voice. Read his Eagles work there. And you can follow him on Twitter at Jimmy Kemsky. You can follow the podcast account at BGN underscore radio. And I guess that just about does it for this episode. So we will see you next time. Good job, buddy. BGN. <laughs>